My guest on Play Hard Sports Behind the Game podcast is marketing legend and the only guy who has brought Jerry Seinfeld out of retirement for an Australian advertising campaign. John Dwyer, also known as JD, has been called the Seinfeld guy because he scored a huge coup of gaining Jerry Seinfeld as a spokesman for the Greater Building Society's advertising here in Australia. Jerry had done only two other advertising campaigns till then, for American Express and Microsoft. People all around the world love sport. From playing ball in the backyard through to the Olympic and Paralympic podiums, the majority of the world's population play, watch and enjoy sport. Steve Dart from Play Hard Sports gives listeners the chance to meet people from across the world of entertainment, sports and business who are affecting the way international sport is unfolding. So, with the combination of technology, passion and great people wanting to tell their story, it gives rise to Play Hard Sports Behind the Games podcast. John, you've been a national marketing manager in the Woolworths Empire. You have over 16 years at the helm of Coolabar Marketing on the Gold Coast, Australia. You've gone on to create the very successful Institute of Whale program. You're a keynote speaker around the world. You're the author of two books, The Whale Manifesto Giant Book and How to Whale, featuring the secrets behind your proven client attraction formula. JD, when do you sleep? Mate, look, um, I, I, I got involved in this game. I'm in my late 50s now, but in my uh, early 20s, I got involved in um, marketing, uh, working for Roselands Shopping Centre in Sydney. It was my early days. And then I went on to work for some radio stations in Sydney, 2SM and 2UW. And throughout that period, I guess I had a, um, I got a penchant for um, creating marketing campaigns that had a direct response like the next day. Uh, most of the stuff that I was involved in in those early days was not so much brand building. It was in what we call direct response marketing, which means you advertise today. doesn't matter whether it's online or offline. Obviously, in my early days, it was all offline. But these days, offline or online advertising that gets an instant response, be it good or bad, it gets an instant response. And I think that's why I enjoyed. I've had a pretty good hit rate in terms of coming up with concepts that work. And so, therefore, I get a real buzz when I see somebody um, doesn't matter whether they come from the sporting arena or from just a normal regular business arena, spend some money online or offline today on advertising and then money in the bank tomorrow. I get a real kick out of that. That's great feedback. Your academic success was holding both advertising and marketing degrees. Take me back to your early days at school. Were you a great student? No, I was a lousy student uh, and uh, I went to a, a number of Catholic schools and in those days uh, the De La Salle brothers were, uh, were the, I guess, the teachers and I spent more time being told to stand outside the classroom um, than inside the classroom because I would always be the larrikin that was doing silly things. Um, as far as sports concerned, um, I look, there was only one sport that I really excelled at and that was soccer. Um, my children who are now 18 upwards, and I've got six children, but they're 18 plus, they laugh when I highlight to them that their dad has a cricket trophy because, wait for it, when they pick the trophy up, because I was just about the worst player in the team, but I didn't complain uh, of not being picked to be the opening batsman or ever being picked to bowl, I won an award at the end of that cricket season when I was 13 for the best conduct award. 
Please explain a bit deeper. <laughs> is that tragic or tragic? <laughs> that, that means that you were just about the worst cricketer on earth, but because you didn't complain like all of the... What happened is that the cricket team we had in the under-13s, we had two players who were the best batsmen and those same two players were the best bowlers. Well, guess who you know, basically won the game for us every week? The, the two batsmen and the two bowlers who were one of the same. And so all of the other kids in the team used to complain because we would be none for 150 retired and then we'd send the other under-13 team in and get them all out for you know 20 or 30 because these two batsmen were also the best bowlers. Everyone else complained but me. So at the end of the season, I've got this wonderful trophy where it's the typical you know guy with a bat swinging and yeah. it looks very impressive, but the unimpressive part is the inscription on the base and it says Best Conduct Award. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> After consulting to 2SM radio station, for their huge annual Rocktober festivals, you organise large outdoor rock concerts in Sydney, right? Touch on that time. Oh, mate, that was great fun. I was 20, maybe 20, 21, 22, and I was fortunate enough to get a gig in the promotions department of 2SM. And for anyone that's my vintage in their 50s, they might recall that 2SM in Sydney was the radio station. It, sure it, was. Was, it was the Triple M okay, of the time. And so they used to have a big event every October, which they called a Rocktober, and they would have big concerts. And I was fortunate enough to deal with the in excesses of this world and uh, the sherbets, the Darrell Braithwaite's, and uh, I'll never forget the big stuff at the time was Mark Holden, yep. who's probably more recently known as being one of the judges on those talent shows. But in that time, he was a big, big star. And can you imagine my kids, all 18 plus now, when I say I used to put Mark Holden on stage, they just cringe. They'd create a gold dad, you were such a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> you provided consultancy to radio and television stations in Australia and New Zealand with Avalanche Results. Your cash card scratch promotion for Sydney to UW radio resulted in an an impressive overall three-points rating lift for the station in just four weeks. Your big news game bingo concept for the Nine television network still holds a world record for ratings lift. Nine's news program in Eastern Australia increased from 23 to 40 virtually overnight. How did you manage such success? Yeah, mate, I love to use the word avalanche um, because uh, there's not many advertising campaigns that can boast an avalanche result. And uh, I guess I'm being a bit of a show-off when I say this, but, yeah, those you sorts of things. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I hope my wife is listening to this <laughs> podcast because she doesn't know any of these things. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, therefore, this you know, campaign for Channel 9 and for you know, radio stations resulted in avalanche um, audience increases. And how it worked, mate, is that Channel 7 had picked up the Olympics on this particular year, and so, therefore, their news program leapt ahead of Channel 9's. So Kerry Packer had his manager ring me and say, look, what can you do to artificially stimulate our news ratings? And at the time, Brian Henderson was the news reader. And so we came up with this uh, bingo concept where we letterbox dropped the entire eastern coast of Australia, so there was millions of these game cards, and they had four weeks worth of scratch bingos on them. And what you had to do is watch Channel 9's news Brilliant. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday through to Friday. And throughout that news, a 30-second advertisement spot would be de dedicated to a call routine. And so that call routine tonight might be, have you got Hey Hey Saturday? Because if you do, scratch it out, and you'd scratch out Hey Hey Saturday, really? and you might reveal a $50,000 symbol or a house and land symbol. And then they'd say 60 minutes, and if you've got that on your game card, you'd scratch it out, and so on and so forth. And what happened is that the uh, majority of Australia had three of the four symbols that they needed to win the house and land package by midweek, which TV news program do you think they might have been watching on Thursday and Friday? So uh, it just rocketed the ratings. They went from you know, something like the early 20s uh, up to 40 rating points, which is state-of-origin numbers. Amazing. And they never changed one thing in their news programming. And I, I think that's worth pointing out to anyone who's listening to this, too. There are ways to artificially 
stimulate your business, whether it's sporting or otherwise, by simply coming up with a repetitive trade stimulant um, that has a you know, high wow factor to it um, that keeps people buying your product or service. And the best example of that outside of what I've just explained with the Channel 9 thing, um, because the radio stations were exactly the same as that, by the way, um, is McDonald's. I've got six children, you know, and at one stage we had six under 12, we spent $6 billion on McDonald's Happy Meals and it had nothing to do with the hamburger. It had everything to do with the free Disney toy. So what they've done is that they've created a wow factor to take your eyes off the price. And as you know, there's never one toy to collect. It's always Mickey, Minnie, Goofy and Pluto. There's always four. And so whoever's listening to this, if you're looking for your business to stand out from any competitors and you don't have something that lights up in the dark, so you don't have an organic wow factor, consider an artificial wow factor like a McDonald's Happy Meal toy to distinguish your product or service from your competitors. In 1992, you revolutionised the trading card market, starting with Batman, Returns and Jurassic Park licences. Tell me about that. Mate, uh, really, really simple. There's a lot of men who might be you know, listening to this would have grown up on their bubblegum cards, um, predominantly their football bubblegum cards. In Australia, it's AFL and Rugby League. If it was in America, it's baseball cards. And um, I decided that having done a lot of repetitive trade stimulants for McDonald's and Kentucky Fried and a lot of other fast food chains, whereby we stimulated their business by creating these wow factors, I thought, well, why don't I do it myself? Why don't we have a shot at it myself? And I could see that the Rugby League and the AFL trading card business was really run by confectionery companies in Australia. And they really didn't understand how, you know, to make a bigger business out of it because they were only doing it in the first instance to sell bubblegum. Ironically, guess what? The kids didn't care much about the bubblegum anymore. They wanted the footy cards. So I went over to America and studied the whole baseball card phenomena over there, came back to Australia and picked up the licences for, you know, the Batman movies and Jurassic Park and ultimately the two football codes. And what we did was that we actually created what the Americans had done here in Australia. We put in what we call chase cards, which meant the Mal Meninga card might have had a gold edge on it and, you know, it looked pretty you know, special, so that's why we called it a chase card. Absolutely. And, of course, what happened, that was like a winning a jackpot on the poker machines to the children when they opened up that pack and found they had the gold Mal Meninga card in there. Well, in the school playground, which we called the stock exchange, yeah. that card was worth much more at lunchtime than any of the normal cards. Well, guess what? That chase card mentality drove the sales like crazy. And as a result of going to News Limited and dumping out millions of free sample cards with the Sunday newspapers, um, guess what? We took uh, the trading card business the year before that the bubblegum company had it was doing $2 million in retail sales. Yep. We took it to $12 million in the following season. So it went from 2 to $12 million because, A, we created the chase card mentality and upgraded the look and feel of the trading cards. And B, we went to News Limited and got them to drop all these sample cards out of their Sunday news. That is just true brilliance, 100%. Thank you. Can you make sure a copy of this definitely goes to my wife? I want a copy of this podcast to definitely be heard by her. In early 1995, you sold dynamic marketing, remaining as a marketing consultant on contract basis and spent much of 1995 studying the television production business. In 1996, you produced three one-hour television specials, which you sold to Network 10, the first title champions, featuring Michael Jordan exclusively. What a great name. Tell me about that. Well, mate, yeah, look, the first show was Champions and it was all about uh, profiling big superstar sports heroes. And uh, so there was Joan Ulomu and there was Michael Jordan and there was Susie O'Neill and um, Steve Renoff, the, uh, uh, the NRL player, and a whole bunch of others. And that was wonderful. And what happened is that one of the um, aspects of that show was delivering a dream to a little uh, 15-year-old um, wheelchair basketballer. 
a little boy called Jay Campbell who suffered from spina bifida, unfortunately. And Jay's life uh, just changed for the better when he took up wheelchair basketball about a year earlier. And uh, he became a member of the under-16 Australian wheelchair basketball side. But because his parents weren't flushed with money, um, unfortunately, he was using, wait for it, a normal wheelchair to play wheelchair basketball. And I don't know whether too many of the listeners know, but you need a wheelchair basketball to play wheelchair basketball. He was still scoring more points than any other player on his team, even with a traditional wheelchair. And uh, as it turned out, um, we decided that we'd make his dream come true. His dream was to one day watch a Chicago's ball game, but his parents were never going to be able to afford that. So we surprised him at the end of one of his games one day with not only uh, a wheelchair, uh, a sports wheelchair, which brought tears to the whole stadium's eyes, but in a packed stadium when he had just been playing uh, against another team and it was in Canberra, so it was a packed stadium of thousands of people, we told him that he was about to jump on a plane the following week and go to Chicago with his father, not only watch the Chicago Bulls game, but have lunch with Michael Jordan himself. That's amazing. How did you feel? Presenting that and making that platform. Oh, mate, look, the cameraman and uh, all the sound guys and the production crew and myself, uh, we just all, you know, basically were a mess. Everyone was crying. And uh, Michael Jordan was very kind to deliver this dream for us. We took the little boy to Chicago and uh, Michael Jordan took him to lunch. Isn't that amazing? Mm. Okay, so that's basically a bit of a history about what you've done, JD. So how do we bring that, all that information, uh, and especially what you promote, it's called the Wow Factor to any business. This is a business and sports podcast. So if you can talk about measurable results through your Wow Factor ideas, especially the wheel of wow. Yeah, sure, mate. Look, um, every uh, you know, business coach or every consultant needs to have a wanky little name for their system, and my wanky little name is the wheel of wow. And uh, essentially what that's all about is just giving people a visual for a system which can revolutionise their business. I know I'm talking it up, but it can absolutely revolutionise your business. Yeah, well, thanks, Stephen. I think you've personally experienced it, so thank you for making that comment. And I'll give you that $50 afterwards. Mate, what it is, if you can just picture a, a, a pizza pie with five pieces in it, uh, hence the wheel of wow, and uh, I say that the five components can change any business, sporting or otherwise, uh, but we're here, we're here to talk about sporting businesses, so no matter what game you're in, though, this system um, is one which I believe everyone should follow, and what it does, it flips the normal marketing model on its head completely. So if you were to go to an advertising agency and said, look, how do I market my goods or services? Chances are that they will tell you to sponsor um, local netball teams and football teams, if not the Brisbane Broncos, and they will tell you to advertise your brand on the side of a bus and on the back of a taxi and all of these brand building exercises. And there's nothing wrong with them, except that that's a slow way of building sales. And for most businesses, they want sales tomorrow. So this flips that model on the on the head. And whereas that model is all about getting them to fall in in love with your brand so that they will taste your product, my direct response marketing model is all about getting them to taste your product so that they will ultimately fall in love with your brand. Correct. And the best way to explain that would be a fish shop, instead of sponsoring the local football and basketball teams with his name and number on the back of their jersey um, and hoping people will fall in love with his brand and eventually come to his fish shop, my model is all about him having host or hostesses outside his fish shop over dinner time handing out calamari samples so they get a taste of his product and then they come inside his shop and fall in love with his brand. So the five components uh, quickly are, number one, identify your most profitable target audience and then look for more people who look like him or her. Uh, Number two, uh, create a wow factor to take their eyes off the price, which of course is the McDonald's Happy Meal toy. Number three, um, use a problem solution formula in all of your marketing. So give whoever you're talking to a problem and then provide them with how you're going to give them the solution. Very, very powerful. And Jenny Craig does that very, very well. Number four, fix your website. And I'm being 
sarcastic when I use that downturn fix your website, but you've got no idea. Oh, well, you do, Steve, because you're, you know, you're a marketer, but there are so many businesses, big and small, out there who have just an unbelievably bad website, which is information-based instead of sales-based. And so I teach people how to bring in elements to their website, particularly their homepage, which are very much sales-focused rather than information-focused. And the last thing, number five of this Wheel of Wow formula, is um, stimulate repetitive trade. And you know what? The only way to stimulate repetitive trade is to actually collect data so that you can then email or phone or text or whatever it might be to that database. And the crazy thing about it, Steve, is that most people in the sporting um, match business, in other words, putting on sports, don't collect data. They don't. It's crazy. So you might have a soccer game or a rugby league game or an AFL game with 50,000 people there. The ticketing agency have got all their details, but yep. the sport doesn't. Yep. Madness. Can you imagine the money being left on the table that they could have sold T-shirts or caps to? That's just marketing gold right there, John. Thank you, man. Okay. JD, how did you convince superstar comedian Jerry Seinfeld to be spokesman of one of your clients, demonstrating the benefits of thinking outside the square? How did that all happen? Goodness, man, I didn't think that the, the name dropping of Jerry would come up. I'm glad you Has brought to. that up. Yeah, good on you. Um, can you imagine what a pain I am to be about? Where, given that we did this TV show some years ago and we had Michael Jordan and Princess Di and we had um, uh, Paul Hogan and we had the, all the people from the X-Files, I'm a nightmare at barbecues. If anyone just brings up a name like that, oh, well, speaking of Michael Jordan, let me tell you... <laughs> No, I'm not. Not many people no, can no, do that. No, to be honest with you, I don't. I don't. Um, mate, look, the, the Jerry Seinfeld thing, now that you brought it up, um, it's been one of those career highlights, which I may as well boast about because it doesn't happen too often. Um, a client of mine called the Greater Building Society, um, it's a bank here in Australia, and they're up against the big boys. They're up against the big banks. And so they are what I would suggest is a challenger brand. And I'm guessing that a lot of your listeners might fall into that category. They're a challenger brand. In other words, they're not the Coca-Cola of their industry. And the Greater Building Society certainly wasn't. And so many years ago, I developed a campaign to sell home loans for them, which was called Get a Home Loan, Get a Free Holiday. And many people, if they're in New South Wales or Queensland, may have you know, sort of remembered that campaign. It was very, very successful. It took their home loans through the roof. It was just incredible. For 10 years, they never advertised an interest rate. That's amazing. They simply just said, get a home loan, get a free holiday. And for the working class audience, which was their target audience, it yep. just went nuts. Well, towards the latter stage of that 10 years, um, they said to me, look, how can we take it to another level? And I said, well, you might think about a celebrity spokesperson. And so, therefore, we put out a research study to determine who would be a celebrity or sports star who would be, you know, probably the right sort of fit with the Greater Building Society's cheekiness because I had developed over the, you know, six or seven years a very cheeky virgin-style brand. And as it turned out, just my luck, the name Jerry Seinfeld came to the top of the list. I was hoping Bert Newton or someone that would be easy to get. <laughs> but the research said, well, Jerry Seinfeld's your man. He's cheeky, he's family-orientated, he's down-to-earth, he's very friendly, and he's very, you know, he's just nice, which was what the Greater Building Society was, but they used to always have a bit of a shot at the bank, so they were cheeky as well. Sure. So anyway, I was fortunate enough to chase him down for six months, and eventually I got onto his manager, a guy called George Shapiro, uh, who just liked the idea of Jerry taking the mickey out of the banks and he put the idea to Jerry and Jerry said yes so it was a real coup um, there was a lot more to it than that but I won't bore you with the details but it was just a, a case of persistence beating intelligence really because when I asked well Jerry well when I said to him mate why did you say yes to this you've got more money than God yep. uh, he said to me well number one no one from Australia has ever asked me before but he said number two you're such a nuisance I figured if I didn't say yes you'd never go away wow <laughs> what amazing message behind that John if you could make a phone call to yourself at the age of 20 after everything that you've done, what would you tell yourself? 
Um, since you've had so much business success and yeah. you've made so many great friends and personalities. Oh, well, thank you, mate. Um, you know what? I, um, yeah, that's a good question. I would probably say um, to myself, make sure that you hang with crazies. And I know we've all heard that famous quote from uh, Steve Jobs where he says it's the misfits and it's the crazies of this world that think they can you know, make a difference, but guess what? They're the ones that end up making a difference a lot of the time. Sure. And I don't want to steal anything from him, but the, the point is, is that I think in my early years I probably put up with passengers way too long. And um, I guess as you get a bit older and maybe a little less tolerant and maybe a bit crankier, you tend to sort of you know, pick your mark with who you hang with. And so I would say to myself back in those days, um, don't carry passengers. Um, and that's not that you shouldn't be kind to other people who may not have a level of skill that you're looking for. But by the same token, if you really do want to be successful in business, um, and I just in life in general, hang with people who are thinkers outside the square, people who are a little bit crazy. Um, there's just too many regular, normal uh, people uh, out there, I believe, and, and, and there's, there's a place for them. That's fine. But what I've found in this last 10 years of my career is that by hanging around some crazy people with weird ideas, then it's not only been more enjoyable, but it certainly has been more profitable. And those people, guess what, are normally can-dos, not can't-dos. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting in a meeting with them and you have some crazy idea, chances are all of them will say, yeah, we can do that, we can do that. Whereas, you know, in my earlier days, I was hanging with people who go, oh, no, that'll never work. That'll do no, you can't do it. No, so I always say, hang with can-dos, not can't-dos. What's the future hold for you, John? Mate, I uh, am enjoying what I'm doing at the moment. Um, our kids are now 18 plus, and so therefore they're off our hands. Um, so Gail, my wife, and uh, myself are enjoying doing a lot of travel. And the great thing about with what I do these days, which you know, the Institute of WOW basically provides marketing consultancy uh, and marketing ideas to people, uh, it doesn't matter where I am. Uh, you've only got to have a laptop, as you well know, mate. You're an expert at it. Sure. Um, you've only got to have a laptop wherever you might be, and you can continue to provide your members. People join a program with me, so you can provide the members with podcasts and webinars and with you know, Facebook responses to their posts and all this sort of stuff. It doesn't matter where you are. So last week, for example, I was in... Um, Los Angeles and the week before I was in Salt Lake City and still running my business from wherever I am. So what we intend to do is to enjoy this latter part of our career by um, doing what we love, which is the marketing uh, advice, but at the same time jumping on a plane and, um, yeah. Uh, the only thing is is that out of our six children, three have left home and we've still got an 18, 19 and 21-year-old at home and so having recently left them for 10 or so days and come home yep. to a complete disaster zone... I, I think Gail will probably have to organise for a cleaner to come in before we come home. Where can people find you? Thank you, mate. Thank you. Um, other than the Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, which I attend regularly, uh, mate, they can catch me at uh, theinstituteofwow.com. So there's no AU on that. I have to say that when people are listening in Australia. It's just theinstituteofwow.com. Uh, we wish you well, and thanks so much for your time on Behind the Games podcast. Thank you very much, Steve. All the best.